Hello and welcome. I'm Chelsea, certified mermaid, diver, and science communicator. And I'm Blake, scuba dive master, freediving instructor, and also a science communicator. We've created the Save the Mermaids podcast to connect ocean lovers from across the seven seas who have a desire to protect our waters and learn to live in sync with nature. Save the mermaids, save the seas. Let's dive in. And now for our happy ocean news of the week. Alrighty, so we're going to get a little bit sciencey, and I don't understand all of this, so don't ask me too many questions because it's kind of weird. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> so this is coming from uh, only one on Instagram. I just love them. They share happy news of the week as well. So the University of Cambridge researchers use algae to power a computer. What? <laughs> Uh, okay. I promised I wasn't going to ask questions, but I have so many questions. <laughs> I know. So, um, guess we're not going to need electricity in the future. We're just going to use up all that algae that is naughty and messing with the planet. I think that's great because I have had power outages for the past three days in my house. So I'm super into this algae. Thing. <laughs> just go scoop some up from the ocean and just start tossing it on your house. See if it helps. Be like, I don't know if this is what they did, but it might work. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, here's a little bit of information about what they are doing it. Cause I don't think they're just tossing it at the computer. But who knows? <laughs> um, so according to the universe or according to a study published in the Journal of Energy and Environmental Sciences, a colorful colony of blue green algae, which has been successfully feeding a microprocessor for more than half a year. What? Yeah. So the colony, I don't know if it's like a symbiotic relationship or how they feed that colony of algae, but it's been keeping a computer on for a year. I have so many questions. <laughs> if we want to just take a little road trip to the University of Cambridge, it could be like, hello. Can I see your algae computer? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they got the technology from mermaids. I mean, I have no doubt. <laughs> so funny. Well, today I'm really excited because it's one of our amazing supporters of the podcast. We're celebrating Maggie's birthday. And Happy birthday! Happy birthday, Maggie. So this girl loves Ray's. So we thought, hmm, why not do a Ray episode? It's a special birthday surprise. Yes, Ray's in honor of Maggie. Woo! <laughs> so which one did you choose? Um, I picked the manta ray. And you did the eagle, eagle. ray? Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so oh, I know what's cool. What? Um, so the manta ray, I think you probably saw this too. Um, they're actually the same family. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? It is. It's, it's total chance that we picked what we picked and they ended right. up being the families. Yeah, I love it. So I know that Maggie said that she fell in love with manta rays because just a few weeks ago, she was doing the manta ray dives on Big Island. So for all of our listeners, if you're looking for a little dive vacation, one of the best spots to see manta rays is going to be on the Big Island of Hawaii. It's a beautiful area. You can go to Kailua Kona. I believe around the rest of the island, there's some great dive spots too, um, but it's definitely a life-changing experience. So tell us about these magical little babies that can't even defend themselves. Oh, the manta rays. I wish they were little babies, but they are giant, giant. babies. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, manta ray, they are large rays in the genus Mobula. 
Um, but they used to be their own genus called Manta. And now, and then, um, like we said, they're in the same family as Eagle Rays. So there's two different kinds in this genus. There's a small kind and a big kind. <laughs> and yeah, they range from the small kind being around 18 feet wide to the big kind being 23 feet wide. Wow. I have not seen that one. No. That's Can insane. I tell you a funny story? Yes. <laughs> this is probably pointless and a total tangent, but here I go. <laughs> so when we were moving to Hawaii, I was you know, looking at all the things I was going to see and getting super pumped. And my mom actually lived on Maui for a couple of years back in the eighties. And so she had a lot of input and a lot of prior knowledge to the things I was talking about. And at one point I was like, yeah, I, I hope I don't like get, I really want to see a man of war, but I hope I don't get stung by one. And I don't know what my mom heard, but she was like, oh my gosh, let me tell you about a story about the man of war. And she was like, I was diving once down in the coral reefs. And all of a sudden I saw something huge come at me. I thought it was a shark. So we like hid down in the corals and it passed over us this big man of war. And I was like, are you fucking shitting me mom? Like that? <laughs> They're that big. Are you kidding? I was terrified, but she was thinking of manta rays and I was thinking man of wars. That's not the same size. I'm just imagining a huge blue bottle, like creating a shadow in the depths with like 40 feet long stingers <laughs> I would never get in the ocean if they were that big no. I was like no it's like prehistoric like dinosaur trauma <laughs> giant squid sized man <laughs> so funny it was a manta ray it was a manta ray but now that I know it was a manta ray, I'm even more jealous because that would be so cool to be scuba diving in the coral reefs and all of a sudden this huge majestic beast comes over you. Right. So yeah, 18 to 23 feet wide. They have the largest brains um, to body ratio of any fish. Oh, I did not and know that. It's pretty interesting. So yeah, they have the largest brain. They also can pass the mirror test. <gasps> yes, but explain it in case our listeners don't. Okay. I thought this was so crazy because mantas, like any kind of ray, just doesn't fall into that file in my brain of Maybe animals past this. So for those of you who don't know, the mirror test is a technique developed in the 70s by Gordon Gallup Jr. And it tests the ability of animals to self-recognize. So basically they'll put a mark on the animal of um, in a place they can't normally see of themselves under anesthesia. And when then the animal comes out of anesthesia, they put the mirror in front of the animal. And if it checks out its mark, it's supposed to have like supposedly pass the test. So right. it sees like there's this abnormality on its body and yeah. it's supposed to recognize that like, oh, that's me. That's not supposed to be there. What's that? So it's kind of like a hit or miss kind of test. Like a lot of people don't use it too much anymore, but um, other animals that have passed it include apes, elephants, rays, dolphins, orcas, the Eurasian magpie, and the cleaner wrasse. So the cleaner wrasse? Yeah, isn't that weird? <laughs> <laughs> like I get all of those animals sound smart in my brain, except for I didn't realize rays were that smart, and I didn't definitely didn't think about a cleaner ass 
I definitely would never think of a cleaner ass. So <laughs> I mean, I know that other things like we have that list of sentient beings that lobsters and um, what else? Cuttlefish, I think was just added to it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So that's, I think that's a different list, but same idea. Like we have a sentient list going on of animals. So manta rays are on that list. Nice. I know. But don't I, eat them. Don't eat them. Please don't. <laughs> don't hurt the rays don't hurt the rays I thought that was so interesting I love that yeah um so the manta ray is oh so that word manta is Portuguese for cloak or blanket which makes a lot of sense because they look like a big cloak flying around the ocean (laughs) ew that's even cuter um they're found in warm waters and in the pelagic zone is that how you say that I think it's pelagic, pelagic, pelagic zone. So that just means not really near the shore and not super deep. Like it's that, what is that? That first two atmospheres Mm -hmm. where they hang out there. Um, The larger species do tend to migrate while the smaller ones stay kind of in a localized area. Um, And I just always think of finding Dory or was it finding Nemo? Which one would they have like Mr. Ray singing and he's like, we're going home. Do you know that that's actually an Eagle Ray? Mm. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, I guess they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Eagle Ray because he has his spots. That was on my fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to steal that thunder. Stole it. It's I done. Totally... It had a punchline and everything. <laughs> I had that song stuck in my head like this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see. Manta rays are filter feeders. They zooplankton with their just open mouths, much like any other filter feeders, like whale sharks or any, anything else you think of. It just has a big mouth and it just stays open and food gets sucked in. <laughs> um, they, so interesting fact, mantas stop by things called cleaning stations in the ocean, which is an area where larger animals stop to be cleaned by smaller animals like a marine car wash. I love that. I do too. I knew it happened. I just didn't know it happened at stations. Oh, really? You know, like I thought it was more of a, um, like those symbiotic relationships where you see the fish just kind of clinging on mm-hmm. with, as somebody swims, like they're cleaning them as they go. I didn't realize it was like a er, pull over, like <laughs> give me the works and keep going. <laughs> So when I worked on the West side, there's actually a couple of turtle cleaning stations and, um, there are these rocks that turtles always go to, to get cleaned by cleaner fish. Cause that's where the cleaner fish live. So I knew of a couple of them, but I didn't realize that the mantas would go to the same spots as the turtles. That's awesome. So I, want, I want to go to there. <laughs> need to make a little sign for the rock. Yeah. Like fish wash. Fish wash. <laughs> Um, similar to whales also, they actually breach and we have no idea why, like we have no idea why anything breaches. I personally like to think it's for fun. I think it's for fun. Why do we jump in the water? It's just for fun. Right. That makes sense to me. I don't know. (laughs) Um, their status is vulnerable due to pollution, fishing nets and harvesting of their gill rakes or gill rakers, which is not necessarily teeth but they're rows of cartilage to aid in filtration. So it's like, um, what is it called in whales where they have like the filtery? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very similar, but it's a little bit more bony. It's and, like a cartilage-looking rake. And why is that? Are people eating it like soup, like shark fin soup? I honestly don't know why they want the rakes. I don't think you can eat them. Yeah. Or medicine. I know that a lot of pieces of the mantis have been for medicine as well, which is a little bit heartbreaking because it's just, I mean, it would just be like eating your fingernails. It's cartilage. That's <laughs> super gross. Yeah. Be like, here, I got some biotin that you could have just chewed your nails and keep <laughs> them out of vitamins. The same thing. Right. Um, their status is vulnerable also because their gestation takes a whole year. So they have oh. very slow reproduction rates. Do you know how many babies they have after that year? One to two, not very many. So it's really slow going for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, They are protected in international waters. I thought this was interesting because international waters to me is a very wild west Las Vegas kind of feel, Mm -hmm. but they are actually protected there and not closer to the shore. Depending on the location, like some places obviously do have um, a protection going on. But yeah, they are protected in international waters by the Convention on Migratory Species of Wild Animals. Huh. That's so <laughs> interesting. I'm, I'm, oh, baby girl. I'm, She's recovering I'm so from sorry. COVID. So. Still recovering. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of wondering if it's because they are normal. I don't know. If people are killing them for like to make money for a selling of their little rakes and stuff I'm wondering if it's because they're not usually super far away from shore so more guys you know like like what Maggie did they go every night you can go swim with these rays like you know where they are they're not intimidated by these people swimming around them so it's probably a very easy thing to hunt yeah. And without any natural defense mechanisms, they don't have a stinger. It's literally just their tail. They don't have a way to protect themselves. So they're big and that's what they rely on in the ocean is just their size. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which is super sad, but they're also, I mean, they're just so cool and I want to protect them too. I'm very sad that more shorelines don't protect them, mm-hmm. but happy that international waters is protected, which I think is crazy. Yeah, that is odd. Um, So the mating of the manta ray is also fucking crazy. Okay. They do mating trains. Oh, okay. (laughs) Spring break style. Kind of like spring break, only a little more violent. Oh, no. Um, (coughs) Sorry, everybody. (laughs) I'm trying. They're mating rituals may follow the full moon is okay. what kind of scientists have noticed so it's only been witnessed a few times but it looks like a male follows a female as they swim they catch up to her clasp onto her pectoral fin which with his mouth and then turn upside down so their undersides are facing each other and then he'll insert his claspers into her for 60 to 90 seconds all while being like latched onto her so he leaves marks like he's biting on to this poor girl. Bo's still swimming and his sperm is injected. And then it's followed by um, about 20 more males that are just oh. literally in a line behind her waiting their turn. <gasps> yep. That's sounds- And then a year later, she has babies. <laughs> Awful. 
it sounds all like the poor marine like 20 times yeah and just like latched onto while she's swimming wow Mm. wow yeah man i wouldn't say that there's some romantic animals in the ocean but the majority they're not wooing their girls (laughs) they're vicious wow that goes a long way fellas <laughs> it really does stop biting people yeah. um okay. so yeah and then they give birth they give a live birth to one to two pups okay oh so, yeah um just a couple cool facts before i'm done their skin is covered in a thick mucus mucus um and similar to honu sea turtles when human oils touch it it can remove remove the mucus layer and cause lesions and weaknesses in their skin. Right. So um, just like anything else in the ocean, don't touch them. Yep. Um, they can weigh up to 3,000 pounds. Ooh. There's chunky guy. Like 23 feet wide is huge. And then you add 3,000 pounds to it. And it's like, damn. I wanted, I think the largest I've ever seen was like, maybe a 14 foot wingspan. I can't imagine in my brain what it would look like looking at a 23 foot long, like wingspan of a ray. No. And then being in the water with it too. Yeah. Be like, I am so small. Right. Like, oh, okay. I truly am insignificant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and the last thing I have is that they have to swim to stay alive. So I do know that a couple sharks have this too, where they have to have the active water flowing past their gills to get the oxygen. And mantas are part of that. So they oh. can't just sit and chill. I love watching them feed too. Cause when they're feeding, they do, it almost looks like a dance. They'll go and just do these massive giant circles and they just, honestly, they look like angels. But now that I know about them gang raping the female. <laughs> I don't really see them as, as angelic. <laughs> it's a little Damn more dramatic. Blake and Chelsea here. We are so excited to announce that we are now a positive impact partner with Waterlust. Waterless creates eco-responsible sun protective apparel to help fund, research, and educate the world about environmental conservation. We've been carefully searching for companies to support, and we truly believe that Waterlust and Save the Mermaid's visions are in complete alignment. They have leggings, sunsuits, and tons of other clothing options in the coolest patterns you'll ever see, like the whale shark pattern, the parrotfish pattern, the abalone pattern. <laughs> we ha- we seriously can't pick a favorite. <laughs> no. <laughs> we love to rep it, especially while we're out on the water. Go to our website, www.mermaidconservation.com, and click on the Waterlust clothing tab to support your favorite causes, your favorite podcast, and look sexy as fuck doing it. But please, seriously, make sure you go through our website so that we can get some street cred and some snacks. (laughs) All right. Why don't you tell us about the Eagle Rays? So there's actually a lot of similarities between the two because they are related. Uh, But one main difference is that the eagle rays, they do have those sharp barbs right at the base of their tail. So usually um, 
the most common questions that I get on tours, most people think that the tail of the manta ray or the tail of the stingray is what stings you, but it's not. If you look closely at right where their body meets that long tail, you'll see a bunch of spikes sticking out at the base and those are the barbs. So that's what it's using. It's not using the tail to like whip somebody and poke it in them. <laughs> um, so, so oh, sorry, I you're probably gonna cover this, but are they um, poisonous? Or yes. Okay. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in, uh, in just a second, a little bit more about how they protect themselves as well. So the Eagle Ray can be found throughout the world's tropical and warm temperate waters. Um, but genetic analysis indicates it should be considered as two or three separate species. So similar to orcas, where in certain areas, they only uh, mate with each other. So they've become different genetically, which is kind of cool. Uh, they can be found around the world, including the Gulf of Mexico, Hawaii, off the west coast of Africa, the Indian Ocean, and both coasts of the Americas. So there's the spotted eagle ray, who I'm going to be mostly talking about today because that's who we have here in Hawaii, and I do see him pretty often, but there's also the ornate eagle ray. And have you ever seen one of these oh. guys? Oh my god, those ones are the best ones. Beautiful. I haven't seen one in the wild. Are they around here? Me neither. They're super rare to find. Most people are spotting them like in the Great Barrier Reef in Australia, but they're gorgeous. I have a like a rash guard suit that has their design pattern on it because I love them so much. Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking mostly about the spotted eagle ray because we just have a lot more information about them. Uh, and one really cute fact is that a spotted eagle ray's pattern is unique to each individual. So just like a fingerprint. So it's really easy for us to track them because you take a snapshot and all of them are different on their backs. So cute. Uh, the spotted eagle ray will form huge schools of up to several hundred individuals. And I've never seen that. The most I've ever seen together is like seven. So oh my gosh, I've only ever seen two at a time. Yeah, I think that this happens in deeper waters, usually like during migration times, but how amazing would that be? Oh my gosh, so majestic. Right? So eagle rays are believed to live for as long as 25 years, and they reach sexual maturity between four and six years old. So they can reproduce for quite a little while, and we'll get more into that in the in the little bit later, but um, the large rostrum, which is like what looks like their nose of an eagle ray, it helps to create increased surface area full of electrosensory pores. So remember when we talked about magical shark freckles? Yes. These guys have magical eagle ray freckles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> somehow. I know, little eagle ray with a dusting of, of freckles across its rostrum, <laughs> um, but that helps them detect the prey that's hidden beneath the floor. So they eat a lot of animals that are under the sand and you'll see them using their little nose, cruising around, looking um, to sense the, the movement of whatever those little animals are. Aww. Crazy, right? Magical eagle ray freckles. I just love it. They're <laughs> so cute. So eagle rays use plates of interlocking teeth on their upper and lower jaws to grind away like mortar and pestle because they eat hard bodied prey. So this is very different from manta rays where their teeth kind of like our molars, they'll grind together and that'll break down um, their food, which is usually they eat hard shelled bottom living clams, snails, hermit crabs, um, just things like that, that we would imagine in a shell. Really hard stuff. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's interesting that they're so closely related to the manta with such a big biological difference. 
right? Yeah. No, I find that very interesting is their feed, like what they feed on and uh, how they protect themselves are very different between the two. Um, this was also crazy because I've only seen Eagle Rays maybe biggest be like three and a half, four feet wingspan, but they yeah. can measure up to 19.68 feet. Stop yeah. Where so are they? Like long ways. I don't know, but their maximum wingspan wingspan would be 9.8 feet. So about a 10 foot wingspan. I have never in my life seen an Eagle Ray that big. No, I'm trying to think the biggest one I've seen maybe like four feet like yeah. I've seen three ones then. three to four and wow. I think maybe that's because we're closer to shore in the sandy bottoms so yeah. maybe we're just seeing the younger guys and then they go out deeper as they get older but I'm like oh my gosh if I could see a 10 foot wingspan of an eagle ray I would lose my shit <laughs> you imagine seeing that big of an ornate eagle ray oh my god that's like the prettiest thing you're ever going to see in your life <laughs> it is I would just cry and be like I can die now Take you know, be like I, it's finished. Uh, they can also weigh up to five hundred and seven pounds. Wow. Yeah, I see them. I imagine like forty pounds. That's the type of eagle ray that I see often. Yeah, yeah, same. Like if that. Yeah. The ocean has big, big chongers in it. Yeah, because you're you're floaty. You know what I mean? It's easier to move through when gravity is not messing with you as much. So I really liked how they described, because uh, I was trying to like get into my brain how big that was. So the females, because they're larger than the males, the female spotted eagle rays can have a wingspan matching the tallest NBA players. So take like Kobe <laughs> and put them on his side. And that is the size of a female eagle ray. When she's oh, I want to see her so bad. Right? Amazing. Uh. <laughs> um, also, so the mating ritual is pretty similar, except for I don't think they do, they don't do trains. I didn't know <laughs> anything about, about waiting in line for your turn to rape a female. <laughs> um, but so the mating ritual of the Eagle Ray is usually takes place in the summer months. It's the same idea of where the male chases the female. And when he catches her, usually a privilege uh, achieved by the strongest and fastest male. So it kind of helps with that natural selection rather than just like everybody getting a turn, which I guess is polite. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the <laughs> rules are for morality in rays. <laughs> I feel like there are no morality rules in the ocean. <laughs> right. But it still uses its mouth to grab her and turn her over, which probably hurts more than the manta ray too, because they have those grinding teeth. So she'll have quite a few marks on her body. Um, and that he'll pull on her pectoral fins. This abrupt maneuver often results in many injuries to the female. So again, bites her, flips her over. Um, so then the eagle rays are joined belly to belly with their two lower parts together insemination from their claspers takes only a few seconds um about pretty similar to yours like 30 seconds or so sometimes up to a minute and a half if he's feeling real frisky mm -hmm. <laughs> um, some studies suggest that the female must undergo this process up to four times so we're not doing like 20 like sometimes she'll be raped like four times before she's actually fertilized and complete and the gestation begins uh but the cool thing about these guys i don't know if um manta rays are the same way but they have an incredible adaptation capacity because the eagle ray gestation period is usually a year long however this time varies depending on environmental conditions so like 
some cases have been uh, reported as short as eight months. So if she thinks that it's not going to be as safe to have the, those babies, she'll have the same size, like full-size little babies, eight months rather than 10 months. Her body will speed up the process. Whoa. Right? I didn't read anything like that for the mantas, but magical wombs is pretty neat. Magical <laughs> freckles and magical wombs. <laughs> Um, so these guys are also ovoviparous. Uh, that means that the females retain the eggs inside of her body rather than laying the eggs outside of her body. Um, and then the, she releases the young as miniature versions of the parents. So they come out like a fully formed, cute little baby eagle ray. Um, she usually gives birth to between one and five pups per litter though. So a little bit more and a little bit more often than the manta rays. Uh, when they're born, they already have a wingspan equivalent to the length of a men's size 13 shoe. Whoa. So they're not born Aww. tiny. Yeah. Babies, that's so cute. Yeah, like the manta rays come out that way too. They're just like mini versions. Yeah. It's so adorable. Yeah. You know, I really want to see a baby of both of those. I just feel like it would be super, super cute. Mm-hmm. Um, I did look into why they jump out of the water because these guys jump as well. Um, and there's a bunch of, I'm just going to give you the hypothesis of hypotheses of <laughs> scientists and what they say. Um, so scientists, let's see, they're disagreeing when it comes to finding the explanation for this phenomenon. Uh, we don't hundred percent know why, obviously some people think that it's a form of courtship that shows the females, the stronger males, which could be part of it. If they're leaping while they see another female. Um, so that's happened when like, there's both male and females in the area. Uh, they believe that it helps the white spotted stingray get rid of remoras and parasites. Uh, another guy says maybe it's a homing system. Scientists think that when eagle rays jump together, they can indicate their position to more isolated individuals. So if someone's been lost from the group, everybody jumps so that they can find them. Uh, this theory points to group jumping makes a sound heard miles away. So it's loud when they splash back down. And then last but not least, because jumping out of the water is fun. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of really like both of those last ones, like finding the lost guys and having fun. I'm into that. Or (laughs) canalados, you know? (laughs) So cute. Okay, so last but not least, spotted eagle rays are considered near-threatened on the IUCN red list. The main reason for this threat is not the consumption of white spotted stingray meat, because it doesn't have great value on the market. They're not that tasty. However, eagle rays are large seafood consumers. So like I said, they're eating a lot of crustaceans and that in turn um, has a high value on human tables for us to eat the lobsters and us to eat the crabs and us to eat the snails and the shellfish, right? So that's a reason for their indiscriminate hunting. So a lot of times people would see it as they're losing out on their money because there's so many eagle rays in the area. Aw. Yeah. So... Best way to do, like, best way to not be involved in all of this is just to, if you're going to eat seafood, get it from your local fisherman. And if you're in the Midwest, maybe don't eat seafood. You know what I mean? (laughs) Eat your local beef or your local buffalo. Um, But eating locally and fresh really helps to get rid of a lot of these issues that we have in terms of sustainability. Last but not least, the most famous blue and white spotted eagle ray is Mr. Ray. The stingray from Finding Nemo. (laughs) 
he taught Nemo's class, but we already know that because Chelsea stole my thunder. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We didn't talk about this ahead of time. <laughs> I should have, I wouldn't have thought to be like, hey, we can't talk about finding Nemo till the end though. <laughs> From now on, finding Nemo. <laughs> right it's so funny cracks me up but yeah so there's all about the rays of Hawaii I've only seen a few like I've seen the regular like the gray what's it called that I think it's just called the common ray the big circly ones I've seen one of them here but most common are going to be manta rays and the eagle rays for sure and that's so special because they're kind of great they're kind of great except for they do they do rape each other often. That's a little upsetting. That was, I think, I always had such an angelic view of them in my mind that I thought they'd be like romantic, like dancing and wooing each other. Instead, they're like, nope, grab her by the butt, flip her over, and have 20 other men do it at the same time. Yeah, so that's, that's a little like, upsetting. That's the give and take of this podcast. I feel like we learn so many wonderful things, but yeah. then some of our vision definitely gets a little bit destroyed because of <laughs> or like remember the butterfly fish who like swims by and throws his sperm in there <laughs> it's, it's weird how much I think about that actually <laughs> I know. no no one will ever because they're the two the little couple is working so hard to like woo each other and have such a romantic date night and then some random asshole comes by and just throws his sperm in the cloud hoping to <laughs> Yeah, there's no morality of police in the ocean, for sure. <laughs> Definitely not. Thanks so much for diving in with us today. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram at Save the Mermaids Podcast. Visit our website at www.mermaidconservation.com for all the podcast merch and our eco-friendly favorites. And don't forget to join our Facebook community, Save the Mermaids Podcast Community. This is where we will post our monthly meetups, share our favorite underwater adventures, and connect with like-minded ocean lovers all over the world. Until next time, mermaids! Mm-hmm.